Well, I've been looking into how people are spending their time during the pandemic. And this is partially because I'm just curious and partially because I'm trying to figure out whether I'm as weird as I think I might be. Uh, and so I wanted to, to share with you what I found. These are the top five activities that people are doing during this pandemic, during uh, the lockdown specifically. First is listening to music. I think this is a given, right? That we uh, are listening to music in the background of whatever we're doing. There's artists that are doing these on live, online live concerts, releasing new albums and singles, that's going on. Uh, the second one is a bit surprising, reading. And that shows me that maybe we've gone through our whole watch list on Netflix. Maybe we've watched all the movies we can think of or gone through all of our favorite series and now we're digging up our favorite books uh, or maybe some books that have been sitting on our shelf for a while and we haven't gotten to. Uh, next is playing video games. I know for me, uh, this has been an interesting season as I'm playing online games for the first time since I was a teenager. It's been a way to kind of maintain connection. I'm playing online with my brother uh, once or twice a week to just stay connected. Um, people are exercising uh, amazingly. The gyms are closed, but people are building their own gyms at home or just throwing down a yoga mat or going running. That's going on. And the last one is one, I don't know about you, but I would have never predicted baking is the, is the fifth uh, most popular activity during the pandemic. I would have never thought, what are people gonna do when we're stuck at home for months on end? Make sourdough, of course that's what we're going to do. Uh, but those are the top five activities. Now beyond that, people have been doing pretty good things. They've been uh, doing good deeds around our community, around the world as well. Uh, but what are the good deeds that people have been doing? Here's uh, the top six. Supporting local restaurants. That's another one I would have not expected before the pandemic, right? What are we gonna do for other people that's just gonna be out of our good nature? Get our favorite takeout, right? <laughs> uh, but really, we've seen that that's true, that, that we need to be supporting our local businesses because they're struggling with this as well. They're figuring out ways to navigate this and we want them to stick around. Next is running for errands uh, for someone that's high risk, uh, reaching out to someone who's living alone. We've seen our care network do this time and time again in this season. It's been so cool to see how people care for one another, do these errands for each other. Uh, I've loved seeing that. And then there's applauding essential workers, donating to a nonprofit, and the last one, teaching others video conferencing technology. Uh, that this is kind of a unique circumstance where even people that never considered using video conferencing are doing it. I think people have just gotten to that point where I need to see my grandkids. I need to chat with some of these people I'm losing touch with. So I am going to do uh, video conferencing technology. We've seen our life groups go that way. And it's been so cool to see even the people that were slightly uncomfortable or unsure taking that extra step to stay connected. Well, speaking of staying connected with our church family, as a pastor, I've been wondering, how are you doing with some of these spiritual practices? We've talked about activities and good deeds, but what about some spiritual practices like prayer or reading your Bible or connecting with one another? And with that in mind, the Barna Group and the American Bible Society just released some interesting statistics. They found that during the pandemic, the number of Americans that consider themselves scripturally engaged based on how frequently they they read scripture and its impact on their relationships and choices dropped significantly from 28% to 22.7% between January and June. And you may think that's not a big deal. That's just over 5%. And, and of course, there's been this downward trajectory on people reading and applying the Bible in their lives. But really for the last couple of years, it stayed pretty steady at 28 to 30%. But in January to June, six months, 
dropped 5%. That's significant. And we've seen the same correlation with prayer and with church engagement overall, connecting with other people. And what these studies have shown is that these elements of our faith, these practices, are connected. That when we aren't connected with our church family, when we're not connected with our community of faith, that it's harder to keep reading the Bible, to keep studying the Bible, to keep praying. And on the flip side, when we maintain that connection, when we take that extra effort, we have a bigger desire, a greater desire to read and to pray. Well, welcome to Abundant Life Church. My name is David Grigg, and I'm the pastor of groups here. I'm excited uh, to be here with you. I'm excited that you're here and a part of this with us. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about a passage of scripture that was probably familiar to you. We talked about, you might have memorized it, the Beatitudes. Uh, and that was really fun to talk about a, a familiar passage and kind of look at it in a new way. And we're going to do a similar thing today, a passage that you're probably familiar with. You just don't recognize it yet. Uh, the title of today's message is When You Pray, When You you pray. You can write that down in your notes. And if you have your Bible and you want to follow along with us, you can join us in Matthew chapter 6. Now, as I said before, studies have shown that our prayer lives are connected, they're linked to our, our sense of community and our community of faith, that all of these elements of our faith are connected. And that means that in a time of separation, in a time of distancing, that we might struggle with our prayer life, that, that our prayer life is affected even by this pandemic. Now, some of you I know are prayer warriors. You know it, your family knows it, your friends know it, and, and you probably know it because you're always getting their prayer requests. They know they're always praying. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna send that their way. Uh, and some of you I know are still just checking out this whole thing. You're checking out what it means to follow Jesus. And maybe you've never once said a prayer. And I recognize that, and I'm so glad that you're a part of this with us. But I, I think most of us are somewhere in between on that spectrum, right? That maybe we're familiar with Jesus, we're familiar with this thing called prayer, but our prayer life doesn't really go beyond praying over meals, or praying with our life group, or praying when there's a major life circumstance, maybe a loss. That At that point, our prayer life wakes up, but we, we've struggled with a consistent and regular prayer life or practice of prayer. And if I'm honest, that's where I was at for a long time. Even as a pastor, I could lead people in prayer. I could teach people how to pray, but I struggled with this consistent, regular practice of prayer. I struggled to keep a prayer life. I, I would often hear praying to God is, is just like talking to other people, except that you're talking to God. And I would think, yeah, it's just like that, except I'm talking to the creator of the universe. He's invisible. He, it's normal for him to not talk back. That's a bit different than praying, uh, than talking to a friend. And, and I always felt that this, there was this other kind of communication. There was this specific way to pray and that everyone else was aware of it. Everyone else had it dialed and, and I was just missing it. And I was expected to figure it out on my own. And maybe you kind of feel the same way, or maybe you've experienced that same struggle before. And really, this struggle has been shared by Christians throughout the history of the church. And I think Jesus knew that it would be. I really do. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which was Jesus' clearest description of his kingdom, clearest description of what it means to follow him, uh, he chose to teach the crowd, he chose to teach the people about prayer. It's what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. 
And as I, as I said before, you may have read this many times. You may even have it memorized. And with that in mind, I want to read from a, a translation that would be a bit more familiar to you to hear. Uh, we're going to read from the English Standard Version, the ESV. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. And here's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now you may be aware that like the Beatitudes that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, the Lord's Prayer is recorded twice in the Gospels, once in Matthew and once in Luke. And when it comes to the Beatitudes, both Matthew and Luke recall them being a part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's, it's fairly clear from the context that that's what they're talking about. However, with the Lord's Prayer, Matthew records it being a part of the, the Sermon on the Mount, but Luke records it a, a bit differently, a bit later on and in a different context. Let's look at Luke 11, verses 1 and 2. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And then he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And he starts to pray that familiar prayer. And so what's going on here? Was one of them confused? Did they remember it differently? Why would, they, why would one be in the Sermon on the Mount and one, it just looks like Jesus was praying and his disciples said, hey, teach us, teach us how to pray like that. And Jesus just starts to teach them this prayer. Well, I believe that this wasn't just a one-time event. I believe that Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer several times. And why would he do that? It's because that was his teaching style. It's the way that he chose to communicate, and it's reflective of the rabbinical teaching style of the day. Remember, Jesus was a rabbi. And rabbinical teaching, the way that rabbis taught, was marked by two major characteristics, dialogue and repetition. Now, dialogue, that's the reason that Jesus asked his disciples so many questions. It, it, they weren't rhetorical questions like we might hear a teacher say today. He was expecting a response. He was expecting a conversation, a dialogue with his disciples. It's the way that he taught. And it's also why Jesus would teach the same things over and over again. As an example, I want to look at Jesus' teaching on his own death and resurrection. It's something that he taught all through the Gospels. We see it over and over again. But specifically in the Gospel of Mark, we see three chapters in a row, in Mark 8, 9, and 10, that Jesus taught almost the exact same thing about his death and resurrection. Let's look at Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Then Mark chapter 9. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise." And then in Mark chapter 10, and talking to the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, see, 
We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. See, Jesus taught repeatedly the most important things. He repeatedly taught the most important things to his disciples. Now, was that because they were poor students? No, even though they they may have been. We see over and over again that they just didn't get it. Uh, But I could absolutely see them going, Jesus, we get it. (laughs) In three days, you will rise. You've said that over and over again. Uh, But it wasn't just because they were poor students. Jesus wanted to emphasize the most important things, the things that they needed to remember. You can think of it in the same way of, of a teacher or a professor saying, this is going to be on the test. Or pay attention, this might be on the exam. It's just a cue that this is really important. You need to be listening. That's how Jesus used repetition. Now, when Luke and Matthew recall two different occasions where Jesus taught the same prayer, that should show us that Jesus isn't just demonstrating a good prayer off the top of his head. No, he's, he's teaching them a determined model and vocabulary of prayer. More specifically, he's teaching them a prayer to pray. It wasn't when you pray, just talk to God. Or it wasn't when you pray, keep these things in mind. It's when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And on and on. Now, there are many historical prayers of the church. In fact, every Tuesday at Call to Prayer, we've been sharing with you the historical prayer included in the Book of Common Prayer for that week. Now, the Book of Common Prayer was assembled in 1549, and there are prayers in it that have been prayed by followers of Jesus for centuries. And that's why I think it's so cool that by reading and praying these prayers together each week, we're able to connect with each other, right? Every Tuesday and Thursday, our church has the opportunity at 6 o'clock to pray the same same things, focus on the same things at the same time. But we're also connecting with these historical prayers in the Book of Common Prayer, with Christians around the world, and also with followers of Jesus that came before us. These are the same prayers that they have prayed. But the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer has always been the central prayer of the church. It was the prayer taught by Jesus. And we have a text called the Didache that was uh, produced in the late first century, early second century, somewhere in there. That's within 100 years of Jesus's life and the ministry of the disciples and the apostles. But it's a recording of Christian worship of that day. It describes baptism, it describes communion, how the church gathered, and it also describes prayer. And specifically, it says that Christians, followers of Jesus in that time, way back in the first and second century, prayed the Lord's Prayer three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. It was so important to them. When, when new believers would join the church, it wasn't just, man, just, just talk to God. That's how you pray. It was, no, here's this prayer. Pray this three times a day. So what's so special about the Lord's Prayer? Why did Jesus give it to us as the prayer to pray? I'd love to get into all the details and, and share all of that with you. But today, I want to focus on two characteristics of the Lord's Prayer that the Lord's Prayer is plural, and the Lord's Prayer is present tense. It's plural, and it's present tense. And that may sound boring or overly focused on on grammar, uh, but I want you to stay with me, because I think think you'll see how these are so impactful 
to, to the Lord's Prayer and really the way that we pray, the way that we talk to God. Now, the plurality of the, prayer, of the Lord's Prayer counters our selfish nature. That plural language counters our selfish nature. It's typical, it's common for us to pray things like, Lord, help me with dot, dot, dot. Lord, Lord, please give me strength to dot, dot. And it's these me and my and I, but the Lord's Prayer says, our Father in heaven. It says, give us today our daily bread. It says, forgive us our debts. It replaces the I and the me and the my with us and our and we. Now imagine how your prayer life would change if you prayed in the plural. Imagine how that might change the way you think about other people, about the way that you interact with other people. We've talked about the polarization in the world around us, but what about the polarization in the church? The ways that we so easily disagree and divide over big things and small things and don't think of or care for or show love to one another. We see gatekeeping in the church where, where people say, you're not a real Christian if you think or say or support or vote for dot, dot, dot. What would change if we were to pray in the plural? That even if we, if we don't need anything today, that we can say, give us our daily bread. Even if we don't see anything in our lives to confess, that we can say, forgive us. If we can see that we are in this together See, in a world that is divided and polarized, in a church that is divided and polarized, the Lord's Prayer is a unifying prayer. Here's what Rachel Held Evans had to say about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, she's an international speaker and author that passed away last year. But she said, maybe it's supposed to jolt me out of the selfishness with which I would pray were it not for the guidance of these words. I pray not only for my own bread, but for ours. I ask forgiveness, not only for my own sins, but for our sins. I ask not merely for my own protection and guidance, but for the protection and guidance of the whole church. You can't be a Christian alone. And this most basic and universal prayer of the faith, the one Jesus taught us to pray, reminds me every day that I'm never in this alone, even when I want to be. So the Lord's Prayer is plural. It denies the me and the my and replaces it with the we and the ours. But the present tense, the present tense of the Lord's Prayer counters our worries. It counters our greed. It, when we would typically pray, Lord, give me everything I need for this week. Give me all that I want for this year. Lord, give me uh, all the strength all this, for, for the long term, our worries for the long term, our worries for a month from now, a week from now. The Lord's Prayer says, give us this day. Give us this day our daily bread. Imagine how your prayer life would change if you focused more on today. Not the regrets of the past, not the worries of the future, but the needs of today. For example, let's say that you have a presentation at work on Friday. Now, I think it would be typical, I know it would be natural for me to all week long pray, Lord, help me with my presentation. I'm so worried about it. Lord, help me with my presentation on Friday. It's, it's always on my mind. What if instead, on Monday, you were to pray, Lord, give me clarity in my thoughts so I can I think of the main points that I want to address. 
And then on Tuesday, to say, God, I really need to finish my outline today. Would you help me organize my thoughts? And Wednesday, Lord, help me with my PowerPoint. I want to clearly show uh, what, I'm, what I'm thinking about, what I want to present. And then Thursday, God, I, I need to rehearse today. Lord, keep me from distractions and worry and just help me rehearse well. And then you get to Friday. And then you can pray for that presentation, but you can pray more like this. God, you know how hard I've been working on this this week. Thank you for being with me and supporting me all along the way. Now help me remember my notes. Help me remember what I rehearsed and do well today. Do you, do you see the difference? It's, it's different than, God, I, I want this, I want this, I want this. Instead, it's, God, I'm inviting you into this process with me. I'm inviting you into my life. I want you to know what I'm worried about today. I want you to know what's going on today. And I don't need to talk to you about tomorrow because I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. And we can talk about it then. But Lord, let me tell you what's going on today. That sounds like a relationship. And like I said at the beginning, I've always struggled with personal prayer, that consistent, uh, even daily prayer. I've, I've been able to pray in front of others. That's always been pretty natural to me, but I didn't have that regular personal prayer life. And that's because I've been pretty comfortable. And I, and I really didn't see any of my, my own needs being significant enough to ask the God of the universe for help. And I'm, I'm a pretty uh, by-the-rules, goody-two-shoes kind of guy, and I never really saw a big thing to confess, right? And, and so even when I did pray, it was kind of an empty prayer. It was just because I felt like I needed to, because I felt like I should. Uh, but when I started praying the Lord's Prayer, I realized a couple things that radically changed my prayer life. First, that prayer is primarily about spiritual formation, not getting God to do what I want. This is huge. Prayer is primarily about spiritual formation. It's not about getting God to do what you think he ought to do. See, in prayer, we have the opportunity to communicate with God and to engage in relationship with and be changed by a relationship with him. And because of that, our prayer is only ineffective if we remain unchanged. See, I, I so often hear prayer doesn't work. I prayed for A, B, and C, and God didn't do anything. Well, that's, that's not really the primary purpose of prayer. Yes, God wants to hear our desires. Yes, God is active in our lives, but we're in a relationship with him. And, and because prayer is about our spiritual formation, it's really only ineffective if I pray and pray and pray and I remain unchanged. Second, I learned that God cares for our daily, even our seemingly insignificant needs. I always felt like I didn't need anything big enough to bother God. But when I realized that prayer is about my own spiritual formation, maintaining this relationship with God, it changed everything. He wants to hear what's going on today. He wants to be engaged in my life. He, that's what a relationship looks like. And so I'm not bothering him with my insignificant needs. I'm having a conversation with him. It changes everything. And you may look at the Lord's Prayer and be a bit hesitant to pray a prayer that's written down, a prayer that's, uh, that's traditional or historical. Uh, some might say it's not from the heart or it's somebody else's words. Shouldn't we pray our own words? But I would argue that many times the prayers that we pray with our own words still come up a bit empty. They're not really from the heart. It's just because we know we're supposed to. And many times we don't have the words to pray. We just don't know what to pray. 
in the French novel, A Diary of a Country Priest, uh, by George Bernados, Bernanos, uh, a young priest is speaking to an older priest about his struggles with his health and his struggles with the spiritual life. It's this beautiful back and forth, a real raw struggle. And at one point, the younger priest just shouts, I can't pray. And the older priest responds, if you can't pray, at least say your prayers. If you can't pray, at least say your prayers. Remember, Jesus didn't just give his disciples a demonstration of a good prayer. He gave them a prayer to pray. He gave them words to pray. And there's usually at least one day a week when either I don't feel like praying or I just don't have the words to pray. I don't know what to pray about. And I'm so thankful that Jesus gave us a prayer to pray. So that even when I can't pray, even when I'm grieving or I'm sick or I'm angry or I simply just can't think of the words to pray, I can at least say my prayers. It's so beautiful. But what's wrong with praying my own words? Is there anything wrong with that? No, absolutely not. Jesus prayed other prayers. The disciples, the apostles prayed other prayers. But regularly, praying the Lord's Prayer has changed the way that I pray my own prayers. It's given me that vocabulary. It's helped me to see the value in, in praying in the plural, in the present tense, praying for us and praying in the now and keeping my focus on spiritual formation rather than just getting God to do what I think he ought to do. It's guided me as I pray my own words. And you can pray the Lord's Prayer uh, separate from, from the prayers that you pray in your own words, or you can pray an extended version of the Lord's Prayer. This is what I've taken as, as my regular daily practice of prayer. Praying an extended version uh, of the Lord's Prayer just involves following each line, of the Lord's Prayer with your own words, your own thoughts. And in this way, you can follow the model that Jesus laid out while also praying your own thoughts and your own words. And I'd like to demonstrate what that looks like, what an extended Lord's Prayer looks like in a prayer just over us. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. A creator, savior, and king, Holy and great is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would your presence come to us? Would we know it? Lord, would we know the way that is right? Would that take place on earth as it does in heaven? Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, give me the patience. Give us the patience, the kindness, the joy, the relationships to see today through. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, would you forgive us as we have not loved you with our whole heart, as we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, and would you remind us to forgive others as well? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, keep us away from lust and from greed. Lord, from anything that would come between us and you. Lord, would we see light in the darkness? Lord, would we know your way, the way that is right, the way things ought to be, even in the midst of a broken world? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen. Hopefully you heard that I was just reflecting on each line. Just taking each line, saying it as it is, and then just reflecting on that just for a bit. And it didn't take very long, just, just over a minute, uh, to, to, to walk through the Lord's Prayer in that way. It's not a huge commitment. And then it may, may have been kind of weird. I ended with a doxology for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's not in the text. You're not going to find it in the Gospels. It's been the traditional way that the church has ended the Lord's Prayer throughout the centuries. Uh, and it's just the way that I close the prayer. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to do something a bit different this week. I'm going to give you a challenge. And the challenge is to say the Lord's Prayer, to pray the Lord's Prayer every day for one week, for seven days. And you can pray an extended version like I just prayed, or you can just pray the text as it's written. You'll find it in Matthew 6 or Luke 11. And if you've never prayed before, maybe you're not, you're not even really following Jesus yet. You're just kind of checking this out. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, but you haven't really figured out what this prayer thing is about. This is an amazing way to start, to just pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, to just start there. And if you're a prayer warrior, this is an incredible way to just humbly say, Lord, I know how to pray. I, I, I've said my own prayers for a long time, but I still want to choose to pray the words that you taught us. And it might be by the end of the week that you can pray it from your heart. That, you, that you've got the words down, you don't even need to read it anymore. But memorization isn't the goal. Don't spend all your time memorizing. Lord, the, the, no, the goal is to read the Lord's Prayer, to pray the Lord's Prayer, to realize the impact of praying in the plural, of, of praying in the present tense, of in the now, <laughs> and, and really seeing that, that prayer is about spiritual formation and not just about getting God to do what you think he ought to do. And if you take up that challenge, if you choose to pray every day this week, there's three things that I would like for you to do. The first is to set a time and a place. When something is important, you set a time and place. And we should be used to this by now, right? Restaurants, even the zoo, you have to set a time to go to right now uh, during the pandemic. But, but even outside of, of this crazy season, when something is important, you set a time and you set a place. If you really want to meet with a friend, if you really want to, you don't say, oh, I'd love to catch up with you. Let's just meet whenever I'm free, and, and I don't know where we're going to meet yet. No, you say, we're going to meet Tuesday at 3 o'clock at the Starbucks we usually go to. And it could be if you're really close, you just say, hey, regular time and place. Let's meet up. Right? You have that in mind, the time and the place that you're going to, to meet. And, and we can take the same approach with prayer. It's important. So I want you to get out your phone or even just jot it down in your notes if you're taking them. Just put morning, afternoon, evening. You don't even need to pin down a, a time on the clock right now. Morning, afternoon, and evening. And then set a predetermined place. This could be a favorite chair, if it's in a place where you can really focus and not be distracted. It could be your office, if you're comfortable there. It could be the pool. I really don't care about where it ends up being, but is it a predetermined place? So that your prayer time isn't just accidental. It isn't just, oh, it's two o'clock, I guess I am where I am, right? It's, it's a purposeful place and time to pray. And then second, give yourself some flexibility. Be flexible. You may be thinking right now that, that you would love to pray first thing in the morning as the sun rises, I'm gonna pray the Lord's Prayer. And that is beautiful, that's a great thought. But chances are you're gonna sleep in tomorrow morning. 
And I want you to give yourself the grace to say, okay, maybe if early morning was not the right time, and, and let's try the afternoon. Let's just give that a shot and stay with it. You might say that you're going to pray in the car on your commute to work. And again, that's a great thought. It's a, it's a predetermined time and place. But you might find that you're very distracted when you drive, or maybe you're just not in the best mood when you drive. So give yourself the grace to just say, that didn't work. Let's change it up. Let's, let's figure it out. It reminds me of how I've approached working out and exercising over the years. My dad was a 4 a.m. jogger. He was one of those guys that woke up in the early morning, put on his reflective vest because the sun hadn't come up yet, and would just go for his run. And I thought, that's the idealistic way to exercise, and I'm going to be like that. And there would be spurts in my adulthood where I could keep that up, that morning jog. Uh, but I found out that really wasn't me. I couldn't really do it for more than a few days. Uh, and, and it just always bummed me out that I couldn't keep that up. Then I thought the trick would be the gym. I have a determined place, a place that I pay for. Maybe that'll keep me accountable. And, and I tried. I tried going to the gym in the morning. I tried going after work. I tried going in the evening. It just wasn't my thing. Uh, but then the weirdest thing, during this pandemic, I was working from home. And every day I would take a lunch break with my family. I, I would just come out from my, my desk where I was working at, and I would just have lunch with my kids and my wife. And my wife had the idea, you're taking a lunch break anyway. Why don't we just turn on a workout video, get out our yoga mats, and just do like a 20-minute workout? And it was amazing. It worked. We did it for weeks on end, uh, and it was really great. But now I'm, I'm back working in the office uh, at, at the church campus, and, and that's kind of screwed up that plan a bit, and we need to figure out that routine again. But what that taught me is that sometimes the best time to commit to something is nothing like you would expect. I never thought the best time to work out would be lunchtime in my living room. But it was. And I, and I think you may find the same thing with prayer. It may not be what you're expecting. Give yourself the flexibility to figure that out, the grace to figure that out. And, and third, pray out loud even if it's a mumble. Now hold on. <laughs> don't, don't go crazy on me. But, but pray out loud even if it's a mumble. And that may be a challenge for you. And the, 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 the whole praying out loud, that's a bit vulnerable. But I, I say this with all the love in the world that we are not as good at praying in our heads as we think we are. You are not as good at praying in your heads uh, as you think you are. And that's because praying in our heads often becomes just thinking nice thoughts about Jesus rather than really communicating with him. Why is that? Because we don't talk to anyone else that way, right? Except for maybe ourselves. There's no one else in our life that we just talk to in our heads. And it's so easy to be distracted to think, give us today our daily bread. Bread is so good. Garlic bread. Are we having spaghetti? Like, you get easily distracted when you're just thinking in your head. But when you speak with your mouth, you have that accountability. It's, it's easier to stay focused. So speak, uh, speak out loud. Pray out loud. Even if it's just a mumble. Now, here's a little surprise for you. Today is day one. So if you're taking my challenge, today is day one. And this morning, I'm not going to close in prayer. I'm not. I, instead, I'm going to give you a chance to practice praying the Lord's Prayer. When I'm done talking, the text is going to come up on your screen for one minute. And if you don't feel comfortable adding your own words or praying that extended version of the prayer, don't. Just, just pray the text. Just try that out. And it may not take the whole minute. I would encourage you, if you finish in 30 seconds, just sit in silence for a little bit. Talk to, or, or just sit in the presence of Jesus. Be with Jesus for a bit. Uh, and that could be a great practice as well. I encourage you, pray out loud, even if it's just 
a mumble. I, I promise you, everybody in the room with you has been hearing the exact same challenge and it may feel a little bit vulnerable, but hopefully you'll all be doing it together. And then keep in mind how awesome it is that our church is gonna be praying the same words at the same time. How cool is that? I mean, we, we've seen that with, with call to prayer, but right now we're gonna be praying the same words at the same time. And not only that, we're gonna be praying the same words that Christians around the world pray, that followers of Jesus from the beginning of the church have prayed. How amazing and beautiful is that? And so I wanna release...